the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Streaming now on TuneIn.com and Radio.com. AM 1220 KDOW. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Another day, another dollar. Thanks for listening to the show. I got a good one packed and ready. I was going to say loaded, but I don't know if I want that image right now going out there on top of what I'm currently doing. I'm known for liking Wall Street and liking it to get us to retirement. For some people, that means I'm a sellout. Some people think I'm a capitalist pig. I get it. Um, I had a much more noble idea in my mind when I started this 20 plus years ago. So let's talk about what we're seeing on Wall Street today so we can max out our 401ks, so we can plan for our retirement, so we can have money to live off from age 60 to 100 or whatever period of time you think you're going to be out there. To me, that would be the saddest of truths to see people deny themselves a little bit of pain today or gain tomorrow. What's interesting is the stock market because it just keeps going up until it doesn't. I've seen Apple have a down day for the first time in what feels like forever. Down four bucks, split adjusted down 16. Tesla's down 34, split adjusted, it's down 150. Starting to get a little bit more real, isn't it? When you're on the downside of those momentum uh, trades versus the upside. The S&P 500's up nine right now, the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 137, the NASDAQ down 28. All markets started a little bit stronger, but have gotten a little bit weaker. Uh, there's some good stories out there, though. Ford's going to cut 1,400 salary jobs through buyouts by the end of the year. Private payrolls in August missed expectations sharply. Michael Jordan gets an equity stake in DraftKings. How about we start right there? This is the stock that I told you about in the 30 to $35 range. This is a stock that my, my theory on it is it should be a COVID recovery play. As sports open up, whether it be football, hockey, or baseball, there was some really good hockey last night. I hope you saw it. Um, I kind of got excited. It feels like the first sporting event that I've got excited about in a while. It just seems passionless at times watching um, basketball played with empty crowds. 
But DraftKings announced that it has added NBA legend Michael Jordan as a special advisor to its board in exchange for an equity stake in the company. Something tells me Jordan is going to make a lot of money here, right? Is that fair? The man is kind of like Midas. He's currently chairman and majority owner of the Charlotte Hornets. So what's, he's been known in history to be a big gambler. I think uh, there's legendary stories. If you got to watch the Michael Jordan documentary this spring on ESPN, which was one of the real highlights of being locked down, right? If you got to watch it, you got to know that he had a gambling issue where he might be gambling like until eh, two minutes before a game. He was that serious about competition. And I'm competitive as well, so I get it. Uh, I try not to play casual sports because I don't like to lose. Um, but I also told you this spring that in summer, I think a lot of people, one of the sports that came back early was uh, horse racing. And you could sit there and watch a horse race and wait 10 minutes, watch another one and watch, wait 10 minutes and watch another one, different tracks around the country. It came as something to do to pass time and horse racing. You could bet 50 cents. Um, but again, is it a, a gambling issue? Yes. If you have a gambling issue, should you contact Gamblers Anonymous? Yes. Uh, but is this a play on the COVID recovery and sports opening back up and people really, really, really wanting to watch games? I think it is. And also on top of it, with every state that we could think of at some point in time having overwhelming hospital needs, overwhelming needs to fund their state in different ways, very expensive to send kids back to school, um, online, very expensive. I think we're going to see higher taxes. And you know who we like to tax? Sinners. It's so easy. If, and I, let's not get too offensive when I say this, but if I was going to say if you're a biblical Puritan, I don't want to say that. Maybe if you're a Flanders, uh, Homer Simpson's neighbor, you're a goody two-shoes. You don't drink, you don't smoke, you uh, don't gamble, you don't buy guns. The, the things that you can tax are all those things easily, easily in society. Uh, do you remember a couple of years ago when we're taxing sodas? We're like, well, sodas make kids fat, and they're obviously uh, uh, contributing to our, our hospital overflow situation. I get it. It's easy to tax sins. There's something called a sin tax. There's an investment out there called Vicex, V-I-C-E-X. It's a mutual fund of, in theory, stocks that, that sell sin. Now, that could be pretty loosely based and fine. So do consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned on the show. Like Boeing is considered a sin stock because they make missiles. They also make planes, but they also make missiles. They also make planes. They also make missiles. Um, and drones and things like that. Anyhow, and anyway, um, back to Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player of all time, Warren Buffett, greatest investor of all time. Is there any question on the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan? No. Well, maybe. I always thought of him as a ball hog, showing you that I have absolutely no knowledge about basketball. He missed more shots than he made. Is that fair? Is that fair? Fair? <laughs> I'm a jerk, aren't I? Anyway, Jordan currently is a chairman of the Charlotte Hornets majority owner, and he's getting a board position with DraftKings. It almost seems like it should be a conflict, right? Because I kind of get the feeling during the summer meetings, even though I guess there's going to be fall meetings now before basketball resumes, the owners are going to robble. They're going to get together, robble, 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 robble. And they're going to discuss things. And they're going to say, hey, why don't we uh, uh, get DraftKings to sponsor? <laughs> and Michael Jordan, when he talks, people listen. Although there's some flack now that back in the 90s when L.A. was riding um, 
Rodney King riots, I think is the right way of saying that, that Jordan and Michael, uh, Michael Jordan and uh, Magic Johnson, they both said, let's not make this political. Let's just keep playing. And now in history, we're looking back going, maybe they should have struck for a day or two. But I digress. Um, so Jordan is an inclusionary play. Does it change DraftKings competitively? A little bit. Makes it more legit for sure, right? But their big competitor, and again, you remember yesterday I talked about investing is about learning to compare stocks. Their big competitor is a company called Penn National. Now, Penn National does horse races. So you're like, that's not obvious. Um, horse racing versus fantasy draft and betting on sports and betting on horses. And I think you can bet on the UFC. I don't really know. And I feel like I'm talking about too much betting. I'm not trying to go there. Um, but Penn National does, they've got a relationship, an investment in Barstool Sports. And I'm not 25 years old. I'm not 35 years old. I'm old enough now that I don't really care about sports reporting. I watch sports. I enjoy it. I want my home team to win because we'll all talk at work. Hey, you, you see those Giants yesterday? That's pretty amazing for a bunch of underachievers. Ha <laughs> ha. They're not LA. They don't have that big budget. They're not buying their championship. Um, I don't care about that kind of stuff. But Barstool Sports is kind of supposedly the millennial play on uh, sports media. It's done in kind of a shorter, less journalistic approach, I think. And it, it's got some traction. Or as I like to say, gription. Because sometimes you search for a word and you just make one up. Anyhow, I'm not seeing anything working, obviously, on Wall Street right now, which is interesting. But the one thing I'm seeing working is like Chevron and Boeing. Chevron would be a really good thing to see. I know you're saying, I want my Apple to go higher. I want my Papa John's to go higher. I want my Tesla to go higher. I get it. 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 But if you see Chevron and Exxon go higher, what you have are companies that have been in business for 100 years. And they're showing us that the world is starting to buy fuel again. That's important. You can find me online at robblackshow.com, newfolksfinancial.com. I'm take break here. I'll be right back. Don't be shy. Lock and load. Right back. Making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Hey there, hi there, hi there. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, writing up my TV work that I'm going to do later this morning, which is a good sign that I'm getting back into the TV work. In large part, I wasn't wanted because they had to pair operations to make sure that everything was safe. So it's nice to see as they open back up operations, it's a sign the economy is recovering. We're not getting a lot of great signs the economy is recovering. For instance, today we got economic data. When I say economic data, I can hear the radios and the phones being put down. Private companies added 428,000 jobs in August, reflecting hiring that has slowed. Hiring has slowed. Not a good thing. Hiring has slowed from May and June as the coronavirus pandemic lingers and businesses are struggling to get back to normal. I don't even know what normal is anymore. I've uh, driven uh, long stretches three times in the last three weeks as everything shifted back into online school, right? 
And I haven't seen sunshine, like real blue sky, it feels like, in three weeks. Um, just the California fires. And you know what stinks? It's only September. And I remember the Santa Rosa fires basically burned down a good part of Northern California back in early October. So we have another month, at least in my mind. Um, no rain on the way. It doesn't look like it, but a scorching hot weekend, which means guess what? More fire and more smog this weekend. <clears throat> Yuck, right? So um, as businesses try to get back to normal, and what I was just, I digressed there, and I talked about what is normal now. I've got a business associate that I talked to as we're trying to make a deal, and uh, he's like, I don't think a lot of news is getting better. And he just understates things, and it's really quite beautiful. Um, hiring was strongest across large businesses, which accounted for 70% of new jobs in August. Small businesses added just 52,000 jobs. That's the fewest since the job market began um, to recover at, from the April shutdowns. I guess that's what we're going to call them now. It felt like March was the shutdown, but really it was April when we really just bottled down everything and said, this ain't going to work. So job numbers, not great. It's a disappointing number. There's no doubt about it in my mind. So we throw that out there. Let's talk about some things that are working and not working out there in the world right now. Seven months into the pandemic, we're starting to see the healthcare industry have a lot of issues. Uh, and this is a reminder why you should invest in the healthcare is, in, um, sector. We're always going to be sick. We're always going to be getting older. We're always going to be taking more pharmaceuticals. Um, if it's appropriate for you, there's different types of plays in healthcare. There's big pharmaceutical companies that have Tylenol, that have Lipitor, that have drugs that we take every single day. Then there's the biotech companies who are trying to figure out things that shouldn't be figured out unless you have a degree in science that is crazy smart. How to grow hair on your head after you've lost it. How to beat cancer. How to beat infectious diseases. Um, so the healthcare industry is really struggling right now. We have the pharmaceuticals. We also have the biotech, and we get it. Biotech doesn't have the product, but they're developing it. Pharmaceuticals have the product. They're locking it up with patents. Then you get into the hospitals. Oh, boy. You can invest in hospitals. You can invest in the healthcare companies, the HMOs, the PPOs. So it really depends on what you're looking for. One of the more unique areas of healthcare that you can invest in is medical devices. Um, I'm having a stressful time in my life right now, and I get it. It, it, it's not that big of a stress, all things considered. But I've got a, a stressful situation, to say the least. And I might have a heart attack. Or I grew up playing sports, and my knees are slowly going out. And it may be time for a knee replacement. So there's something called medical devices or medical equipment. Um, always coming up with new ways to do surgeries. Always coming up with new things to put into our body. So that's the healthcare sector in my mind. You could probably argue, get some slanted opinions, do things a little bit differently. I get it. But seven months into the pandemic, we're starting to see real big strains. Shortages of COVID-19 tests, test components, masks, protective equipment continue to be devil America. You're still hearing about nurses being told, yeah, you need to reuse that surgical mask three or four times. That doesn't sound right. This is America, right? Material for medical tests are running short because we're pumping everything we can towards COVID, COVID, COVID. Labs are having trouble detecting everyday afflictions like the stomach flu or urinary tract infections. Uh, sexually transmitted uh, diseases like chlamydia and gonorrhea. 
Uh, we did a survey recently of 21,000 American nurses found that one third reported shortages of masks. So the healthcare sector still is going to get money. It's going to be a long-term thing. It's probably not going to end in your lifetime. I don't know that like maybe aliens will come down from another planet and grant us like a utopian society where no one gets sick, but they eat us. <laughs> They're making us delicious by curing our cancer. Um, Yes, yes, I have a fantasy wanting to write a sci-fi book or something like that, right? Or was that the plot of V? And I'm just confusing my childhood with my, my adult life. So seven months in the pandemic, we still see massive shortages. Seven months in the pandemic, we're deep into strong demand for mortgages. Why is there strong demand for mortgages? It's obvious, right? Um, strong demand for mortgages is based on one big simple thing right now. In April, we were afraid to go out of our homes. We were afraid to go into other people's homes. Some people were careless and probably caused other people to die wanting to get into the sunshine. I get it. Um, but we all buckled down. We all buckled down. Uh, fear of COVID, right? So in spring, we didn't sell as many houses or buy as many houses as we typically would. And then we kept hearing announcement after announcement from Google, from Salesforce, um, from Facebook, from various companies that said, you don't have to come to work until 2021, summer of 2021. I'm like, what? Um, I'm out of here. And a lot of Americans started buying second homes or they sold their home in the Bay Area and moved to a region close by, getting more for less. Now, why do we want more for less? Because our kids are home, right? Back to school has taught us one thing, that we've bought electronics for our kids. 33% or 36% of families said they needed a new laptop just for their kids, right? If I may advise something to you, get a big monitor. Even if you have to plug it into the laptop, it makes it more real. When I see kids trying to talk to their teachers on uh, iPads, it's brutally tough. Um, so the mortgage rates are low. In seven months in the pandemic, they don't look like they're going to go higher. The Federal Reserve has said, we're not going to raise rates until end of 2021. Now, was that them being political and saying, we're not going to do it during the political season with the president? In the past, Federal Reserves have said, we're not going to mess with interest rates during the political season the last 90 days, in large part because if we goose the economy, people will go, well, I really like who's in power now. Let's keep it that way. A lot of people vote with their wallets. Um, and we have a big upcoming election where you've got two very different types of presidents that have potential. Anyhow, so seven months in the pandemic, we're seeing strong demand for homes. What's interesting is we're not seeing strong demand for the refis. That's about kind of where it was, but we've been in a 10-year low-rate period, it feels like. So everyone who has a mortgage has refinanced it, is my thought. Federal Reserve has said, we're going to buy another trillion dollars of mortgage bonds. Mortgage rates aren't going up anytime soon. Not dramatically, in my belief. You find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. Newfocusfinancial.com. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Don't 
Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about um, the markets. Post-pandemic, pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, we're looking at jobs numbers. We're scrutinizing everything. Here to help me scrutinize and try to figure out where we are, Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com, an excellent and trusted source of financial information, both domestic and international markets, with a lot of great reading. It's my favorite financial site. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Good morning, Rob. I'm doing well. Thank you. Always good to have you on. Uh, Markets were hitting highs for the S&P 500 in August, for the NASDAQ in August. The Dow got back to profitability. The Russell, well, that seems to be our problem child to getting it to where it needs to go at this point in time. But do you miss August already? (laughs) September were kind of ruined the market for you. Uh, gosh, well, it's a crazy market. All right. And I was going to say, don't, don't you worry about the Russell 2000, just buy, uh, just buy Apple because it's market cap is the, uh, the size of the Russell 2000. Isn't that something? I saw that it's higher than the FTSE and I'm like, wow, every stock in the Russell 2000, every stock in the FTSE, that's how big Apple is. And, uh, why don't they go out and do it? Um, Tesla did by announcing they're going to sell billions of dollars of their shares. Should they be doing that? And what do you think about Tesla doing it? You know, I think uh, probably what Apple will do is just the opposite. And uh, instead of selling stock, they'll be buying back their stock. Um, And, uh, uh, you know, it's just, they have so much cash. Um, You, you know, it's almost like they don't, know what to do with it. And I know it's been a source of frustration for a lot of investors that they do have so much cash and that, you know, criticism has extended to, you know, the likes of Berkshire Hathaway, but, um, but it's also a reflection of just, you know, what a cash generating machine Apple is. Um, so, uh, you know, the analysts on wall street, you know, continue to find ways to sort of rationalize the, the move the stock has made not only Apple, but a stock like Tesla and, you know, NVIDIA and Microsoft and so on down the line, you, you know, the names where we talk about every day. And, um, and frankly, you know, in a bull market with, you know, interest rates pretty much constrained to the zero bound and, and market rates, you know, running negative, um, there's always uh, seems to be a, a, a rational sounding defense for why uh, multiples can continue to expand. But, you know, at the end of the day, Rob, I mean, you've been at this a long time too. Um, You know, valuation always matters and it's not a, you know, it's not a question of if there's a, you know, uh, a decline, it's it's just a matter of when. And uh, now it, now we have to speak in terms of wondering what order of magnitude it is, but, you know, the stock market has continued to defy any type of expectation for a meaningful pullback um, and, uh, you know, and it's, it's just continuing to ride this momentum. You did a beautiful job with your page one this morning. Thank you. Um, you bra- you brought up some reasons why we are melting up or going higher fear of missing out COVID vaccine ideas, optimism, continued momentum in the mega cap space, uh, sideline cash being put to work, renewed embrace of the reopening trade concept of football's right around the corner. So everything's going to start opening back up is the thought, something like that. Faith in the Fed put. I, I talked about that in the first segment. Uh, 
that the Fed has said, we're not doing anything for a long period of time. So the mortgage rate should stay low for a while. It should continue to go through. Like there is some positives there that justifies it, but it does feel like it's been really, really good run. <laughs> so I, I'm scratching my head as well. <laughs> um, so again, thank you for putting together the column this morning. I, I know it's not always easy and uh, I think you're doing a really good job with perspective. Sure. Well, well, thank you, Rob. Yeah. It's, um, uh, it sometimes can be difficult to write because, you know, you, you want to find something new to say, but I mean, the fact of the matter, there really isn't anything new to say. Um, we, you know, these, these same factors have been, you know, um, integral in kind of getting the market to where it is now uh, off of those March lows. And, um, you know, and, and, it, and you just have this sense, I mean, again, coming back to the idea, I know you've been watching markets a long time and, and, uh, you know, it's intuition, it's a feeling, you know, that things are kind of getting, not kind of, but, you know, really are carried away. Um, and, uh, but you're also, you, you know, we remind our subscribers and I'm sure you remind your listeners that, you know, markets and individual stocks can stay overbought a lot longer than you might think, just as they can stay oversold, oversold in, in very difficult periods a lot longer than you might think. And, um, and we're getting, uh, you know, a reminder of that right now. Um, I think, you know, yeah, you know, we're not alone in saying that, you know, we, we, you've been making that argument, you know, for a few months now that the market looks overextended on a near-term basis and is due for a pullback. And, you know, you might get a few percent here and there, but again, the, the belief in the, the liquidity factor that's been provided by the Fed and, and the notion that uh, worst case trading scenarios will not be allowed to unfold is just like fuel on the fire for any, you know, participant who's looking at weakness as a buying opportunity. And there's been nothing right now uh, that has been able to challenge this bullish minded outlook or this sense that this trend won't continue. Um, so it's kind of going to be the breaking point, you know, uh, for, for this, for this trend, you'll know it when you see it, but right now there's a lot of faith in, in positive outcomes in all respects. So I, I think the big question is what would be real and tangible that could pull us down. And I think you reported it on it today in your page one column at briefing.com, the employment change report out of ADP, um, we need the jobs. We still need those. Unemployment's still high. It's still problematic for a healthy economy, a healthy stock market. Um, what do you read into the jobs report this morning? Are we looking maybe, will that lead us to a double dip recession or too early to tell? Good news, bad news. What do you see in the job market? Yeah, you know, so isn't it isn't it strange that we, we we're going to be talking about a 428,000 increase in private sector jobs as, as a disappointment? <laughs> But, you know, that that's where we are right now, you know, in this in this environment, um, you can construe it as a disappointment because it was much less than, than expected. Um, and it's also a, a clear deceleration from the from the level of job gains that were added in, in May and June. And, and I think the market, you know, is cognizant that there is a real fiscal cliff out there. You know, we keep hearing day after day how Congress can't, you know, get to a point of reaching any type of agreement on another coronavirus relief package that would, you know, help enhance um, unemployment benefits and bring, you know, possibly more aid to state and, and local economies. And, um, and you know, you're going to hit a wall, right, if something doesn't get done. And, and I think if you start to see a real 
you know, you start to see payrolls, you know, contract again, um, you know, the market's going to have to really sit up and take notice and recognize that would be a sign, I think, really for the market to understand that it's gotten too far ahead of itself in pricing and recovery expectations for 2021 earnings. Because, you know, if the job market stalls and even starts to contract again, uh, consumer spending in the absence of any, you know, further relief from, from you know, the fiscal side of things is definitely going to be hurt. And, and that's going to translate into lower output and, uh, and lower earnings than what's currently now being projected uh, by the market. Catch your breath for a second. And let me throw this out at you. I always ask the final question, what are you working on? I know you start your day every day with the page ones. We get five of those the week out of you. Good content, but you also have a big picture that you publish on the weekend, uh, towards the weekend, Thursday night or Friday usually is the concept. Um, what are you working on there? What do you, what do you think is going to be important for us to digest? Because that's a longer piece that you do. Yeah, you know, mulling a few ideas right now. I know we have the the uh, employment situation report on Friday, obviously, um, and you know, there's always plenty of material that's uh, that presents itself in that report. So there could be, you know, something I run with there as it relates to the big picture. Uh, another thing is a little bit of what we sort of touched on today are, are you know, looking at this market and and perhaps uh, highlighting what are some of the real uh, risk factors that could kind of upend this, this um, uh, bullish momentum and, and, you know, just kind of uh, informing our readers of what they need to be on the lookout for that might, you know, create that trend shift. But uh, yeah, so I haven't decided anything officially just yet, but uh, those are a few things that, that might come to fruition uh, with the big picture column uh, that gets published on Friday. You always could throw in politics if you want to, because that's coming up as well. Um, thanks, Mr. O'Hare. As always, it's been a pleasure, and you are delightful with your content and your insight. It really helps me, and I know it helps the listeners as well. Thanks very much. It's Patrick yeah, O'Hare so. with Briefing.com. You can find him at Briefing.com. It's paid service. It's something I've used for over 20 years. It helps my knowledge base grow. And again, I don't. it, it never feels to me like it's too bullish or too bearish. I would say, if anything, it's it's common sense. Uh, but again, consult a broker advisor. Taking action, any stocks I ever mentioned on the show. Um, 1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, I, I don't know if I should hit this story ever so quickly or not. But DJ Eric Merlot, he helped popularize house music. He died. He was 49 years old. Found in his Miami Beach apartment. Um, house music is not my thing. I'm kind of an old school rock and roller who transitioned to alternative music in college and never looked back. But I grew up on old school, if that makes sense. No apparent signs of foul play. Cause of death will be determined later. Again, it's very much so a reminder in my mind um, that a lot of people die a little bit too early. And that's one of the reasons you want to have life insurance uh, because it's something that stinks. You don't want to die and you don't want to buy something that rewards you if you die. Um, I have life insurance. It stinks. I have to send in a check every month. If I don't, guess what they do? And I die, they don't pay me. They don't pay my spouse. They don't pay my children. Like That's a good business model. It's kind of a subscription-based, right? We give you insurance. You pay every month. You don't pay. We take away the insurance. And in honor of the DJ, I like to move it, move it, move it. I think that was his song. Again, I don't really know. I'm not good. I'm Rob Black. It won't last and it won't stand. 
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. No, I don't think about this. I'm doing my best these days to find new areas for you to think about. One of the more fascinating companies that kind of got their accreditation and kind of got running during the pandemic is a company called Masterworks. And what do they sell? What can you invest in? Now, first of all, let's talk about assets. Stocks, bonds, real estate. There's things that you can invest in, right? You get the idea. Um, How about baseball cards? Uh, There was a baseball card for uh, the guy out of the Angels. Is it Mike Trout? I don't think that's the right name. But that just sold like at a crazy value. And like, he's a modern day player. So if you bought it, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, you, you end up getting like $400,000 for his rookie card. What up with that? That seems wrong. Cause I get the Hank Aaron. I get the uh, Babe Ruth. I get it. I get those are incredibly rare. Grandpa didn't keep it. Grandpa, you know, ate his baseball cards or something like that. Um, why do you hate grandpa so much? I don't know. Um, but I do. So there's another thing that you can invest in, not just baseball cards, uh, you can invest in like American dolls and you can collect them. Is it a good idea? Typically, I don't think it is, but do I get it? I, I guess I do. Um, I have an old Atari 2600 system and I was shocked to find that the system itself isn't worth much, but the cartridges of the games, my mom kept it after, you know, at college or something like that is the story. <laughs> That's the story I'm sticking with it at least for now, maybe I still play it today. But there's games like Yars Revenge, which can pull you in two, $300, and you bought it for 25 back in the day. So there's another area of assets that I, I want to throw out there. Oh, but how about basketball sneakers? Um, collectibles like Jordan's, uh, sn- uh, Nikes? Come on, that's ridiculously wonderful. Like that's, you get the idea, right? So there's, how about this one? Fine art. The good old-fashioned fine art. Now, I used to talk about regional, or I used to talk about modern art. And the problem with modern art is the person who's making it sometimes is alive. You can't get another Michelangelo. He, he did what he did. You can't. Yeah, another Rodin culture is done. He's gone. He's died many, 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 many years ago. So there's the value there. And again, it's like supply and demand. It comes down to the housing market. is the same business lesson for you to digest right now. But there's a company selling fine art or blue chip art, and the historical returns thump the stock market. Now, they're not selling you a Rembrandt for $35 million. They're selling you one thirty-fifth of it. They're selling you one one-millionth of it and saying, okay, you give us $350, and you could own a millionth of it. Like, you could buy a fractional share. You don't get it to enjoy it. You don't get to put it in your home, but you're, in, you're giving the artist, essentially or the company that owns the art, money, and hoping for a better return to sell it to someone down the road. That's where I'm still trying to figure out this company out. I get the buying. There's an artist I really, really love named Banksy. He is, I used to have a general manager in TV that Banksy came to San Francisco, and he painted one of his murals on a bakery in his neighborhood. And my boss went to the baker and said, I will give you a million dollars if you let me take down that brick wall and replace it for you. And he did. So my, my, my general manager got a Banksy because he was savvy enough to make a, a first move on this baker. Pretty cool, right? 
But yeah, we don't all have that luck. So art has appreciated at a significantly higher clip. Historical returns from 2000 to uh, last year, 500 plus percent. The stock market, the S&P 500, uh, almost 200 percent. Now, I'm not telling you to go buy fine art. I still have a very weird problem of, okay, if I bought one one hundredth of a share of Banksy, how do I sell it? And I'm not getting a lot of answers on that. And guys, when you sign up for, if you go to Masterworks, um, it, it, it's, they're going to call you. They're going to call you the moment you hit send. The moment you're like, send me information on blue chip art. Tell me what you got now. Um, again, consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks mentioned on the show. Anything like Banksy, it, it, I think is pretty cool. And there's a great documentary on Banksy um, on Netflix if you're looking for a little bit of content. But again, I'm not telling you what to do with your life. I'm just trying to show you how investing works. I love the idea, but I wonder how liquid it's going to be. And I wonder if, let's say, there's another pandemic. Do we start giving up on art or do we go, art will always endure, art will be there. Uh, I don't have the answers to that one. And again, my learning curve, I'm getting up to speed fast on it. But stay tuned. A company's called Masterworks if you want to go play with it and figure out what they have. Uh, Would I own fine art? That's a good question. As I have created wealth in my life, I got a vacation home. I'm embarrassed by that. That feels like a a wealth of riches. Like it just, too much. Would I buy a $13 million painting? I don't know. Um, It would be good diversification in theory. I want to have all my money in stocks and real estate. I get the idea, but I haven't done it. I've always been too poor or not rich enough is the right way of saying it. Um, I've played with an idea, like for instance, I like an artist named Shaq. His name's Josh Agle. Uh, if you take the SH and Agle, you come up with Shaq. And he does like 1950s tiki art. Um, and it's really, really cool stuff. And it's really, really popular. The problem is he's still alive and he keeps making more of it. And then he does a lot of silk screens. I'm like, stop it. I have some originals. And, you know, in the day, you can buy an original for $8,000. Uh, I got one, an artist named Eunice, who's pretty good. He was an Iraqi war general. And um, that's probably my most expensive piece of art. And people look at it and they're like, hey, did you do that? <laughs> I'm like, no. But that's neither here nor there. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Did I totally digress that segment or did we learn about art together? I hope we learned about art together. The news out on Jobs Day, not great. And that should, that should be the number one thing that you pay attention to um, on a weekly basis on Wall Street or on a monthly basis on the first Friday of the month is if we have jobs. If we have jobs, we're going to spend money. Um, yesterday, another airline said, American Airlines, Alaska Airlines said, we're not going to do change fees. They're gone forever. I'm like, forever? I'm like, honey, book a trip to Hawaii. Change fees are gone. Um, you kind of see what's working and what's not working, right? If we have jobs, we're going to go on vacation. And that's the part of our economy that's struggling very much so right now. Hotel and leisure, restaurants, um, things away from our home. Things that are inside our home, they seem to be working really well. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Also find me at newfocusfinancial.com. Don't be shy.
The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.